This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Liv Oath. So February has started, and if you're anything like me, that means that your New Year's resolutions are starting to kind of fall to the wayside. But maybe February can be a second chance, and maybe it will feel just as brand new. Today on the Second Story Podcast, we're bringing you a story about fresh starts, second chances, and goldfish. Second Story is proud to present Liz Gottman. But it hurts! Can't you stay home with me? I plead with my mom as she bustles through the kitchen packing for work. She pauses to squat down and peer into my 10-year-old face. I have the mumps. I'm pathetic. My cheeks are red and puffed up from the swollen salivary glands. I also have a fever, so I'm beaming at her through hot, red, watery eyes. I hold my nightgown tight. Please, I say. She pushes the sweaty bangs back and puts the back of her hand against my forehead. I'm sorry. I have to go to work. Your dad will be here soon, and he'll take care of you. You can play games or something. It'll be fun. (laughs) My mom and dad have been divorced since I was five, and he's not the greatest caretaker. He's more of the take you out for ice cream, go to Chuck E. Cheese, and here's a Barbie, now leave me alone kind of dad. The doorbell rings. Well, here we go. My mom sighs. I watch her walk down the long passage from the kitchen through the dining room into the living room. Don't go. Don't go, don't go. Hello, Patricia. I hear his low, powerful voice say, Hello, Jim. My dad steps in tired from the night shift at the airport. He looks exactly like Santa Claus. He's got the very round, full belly, full white beard and brushed back hair. He even smokes tobacco from a wooden pipe. He doesn't act like Santa, though. He's not especially kind. He rides a Harley Davidson and wears only blue jeans and black t-shirts with the arms cut off. On each bicep, hard from years of weightlifting, he has a U.S. Marine Corps chain tattoo and an American eagle. I can see he has a bag in his hand. I can't tell what it is, but I'm interested. My mom glances at me as I creep into the living room. She checks her watch and jolts back for her purse. All right, honey, I gotta run. I love you, it's going to be fine. I'll call you when I get to work. And with a quick look at him, she's out the door. I investigate the bag he's holding again. He looks down. Hey, kiddo, got a case of the mumps, huh? I never thought your cheeks could get any bigger. I raise both hands to the hot, swollen flesh and pout as I look up at him. It's all right. I had the mumps when I was younger, and I turned out just fine. Mom left you coffee, I reply. Great. Hey, I brought you something. Oh, thank God, what's in the bag? He takes off his leather jacket and throws it on the beige sofa before he sits. I sit cross-legged from him on the floor and peer over the glass coffee table. From the double layer of plastic bags, he pulls out a slightly smaller brown bag. He uses one strong hand to pull out a clear plastic container filled with water. 
There's purple rocks on the bottom and a fake seaweed plant that floats back and forth as the water steadies itself. Inside, there are three beautifully iridescent tiny black fish. They all look like they're wearing silk shawls. They're flowy and pretty. Cool, I squeal and get my face as close to the plastic container as I can to see inside. Well, good. I'm glad you like them. Here's the food. He pulls out a small container of colorful flakes and puts them on the table next to the fish. He also gives me a little green net. I look back at him, spirits brightened. Thanks, my first real pets. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, maybe one weekend we go to the aquarium and you can see some really big fish. Okay, I shout, smiling and jubilant, nodding. He kicks his boots off and lays lengthwise on the sofa. Grabbing for a remote, he turns on the Price is Right and immediately falls asleep. He does the exact same thing every time he babysits. And every time, I do the same thing too. I walk into the kitchen and pour myself his cup of coffee, fill the glass with half milk, and, fill, and spoon in roughly five heaps of sugar. Then I go sit on the floor and watch people play Plinko and listen to the Yodelers song during the Cliffhangers game, which was my favorite. He'll wake up to make me a grilled cheese and a can of soup for lunch, then promptly pack and smoke a pipe, fall back asleep right when it's time for a Threes Company marathon. He'll wake up when my mom gets home and then leave. This was time with my dad. But this time, this time it was different. This time I got fish and the promise of a trip to the aquarium. I had something to look forward to and I had something to do. Through their clear water, I can see my dad on the couch, heavy eyelids closed and his belly slowly going up and down with each breath. I look back at the fish. I watch each one slowly dance around, dance around the other having nowhere to go. I watch the flashes of reds and blues in each tail as they weave back and forth. I'm going to take care of you. I promise. A few hours later, I jolt up from the sound of the front door opening. My mom's home. I race up and greet her. Hi, Mom. Dad got me fish. She huffs past me with heavy grocery bags in hand. See, look. I grab the container off the coffee table and hold it up to her as my little legs race behind her on the way to the kitchen. He did what? She asks as she unloads and takes off her jacket. Fish, I say as I hold up the container. She inhales and exhales deeply, pulls down her sweater so it's neat, and strolls past me into the living room. I put the fish down on the kitchen table next to the bags and watch from the hallway. She's standing with a hand on each hip across from my dad, who is now upright on the couch. There are a lot of sharp movements in her body language. My dad gets up from the couch and calmly puts on his jacket. My mom watches his every move. He turns before leaving and says something loudly and then walks out. My mom stays rock solid in the living room until she looks up, sees me, and returns to the kitchen to put the groceries away. Nervously, I approach. I left my fish buddies on the table. She navigates the cabinet, cabinets expertly. I'm going to take care of them, I mumble. I know you will, Lizzie. I'm not mad at you or the fish. I'm mad at your dad for not telling me. I understand this. They were a surprise for both of us. 
I want to reassure her that it will all be fine. A few days later, I'm back in school. I say goodbye to my fish every morning. I say hello to them when I get home. I tenderly crunch flaky food in between my fingers and watch them race to the top to gobble up the little morsels. I never name them, I just call them all fish. My mom barely acknowledges the fish. She reminds me to feed them, but otherwise maintains clear indifference. Eventually, I notice the water is starting to get foggy and there's green stuff growing on the bottom by the rocks. Not wanting to burden my mom with these creatures I know annoy her, I decide it's time for me to clean their water. It's nighttime on a weekday and she's in the living room watching Wheel of Fortune. I peer in to make sure she's fully occupied. I can do this. Quietly, I bring a chair to the counter and pop up to gra grab a big glass bowl from the cabinet. Carefully, I hold it under the sink and fill it to the brim with cold water. It's heavy and I spill water as I navigate off the chair and over to the table. Shoot, 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 I whisper. The plan is to put them in the new bowl of water, clean their container, and then put them back in with the new water. You're going to get a clean home, I reassure them as they swim aimlessly. I put the bowl of water as close to the container as I can. As I remove the lid and grab my little green net, I can smell the wet algae. Careful not to snag any of their flowing parts, I corner each one against the walls and drop them into the bowl of clean water. Once the third one is in, my face elates with a smile of pride. See, I can do this. This was the hardest part, getting them out, and I did it. I put down the net and I notice the bowl of water. Each fish has suddenly stopped moving and slowly, one by one, they freeze, turn over, and float to the top of the bowl. Whoa! I watch them in absolute horror. What do I do? What do I do? Should I scream for my mom? She already hates these fish and I wanted to show her that I can take care of them and it's no big deal and this is like the best thing my dad has ever gotten for me and I've killed them. What if he finds out and doesn't want to take me to the aquarium anymore? I grab the green net and way less carefully scoop each one back into their old water, hoping that that will somehow solve the problem. Each one falls down to the rocks as I watch and wait. Please be okay. Please be okay. Please be okay. The dirty water is still now. The flowing fins motionless. Then, in a quick, jerky movement, one of them starts to move. Then the other, then the other. In succession, they all start to jolt and flip around. Their little fish bodies are confused, but they're moving. They're alive. I've resurrected them. Yes! Lizzie, my mom calls. You all right? Yeah, mom. I'm just changing the fish's water. In a few seconds, she's at the table examining the situation. I look at her with a secretly proud, you have no idea what I've just been through look on my face. She looks from me to the bowl of water. Oh, she says dryly and walks to the counter, picking up a plastic gallon of water that's been sitting there for a few days, and she brings it to the table. She pours the tap water from my bowl into the sink and replaces it with the water from the jug. You have to use room temperature filtered water for these fancy guys, she says. I don't think they handle tap water well. Got it, I say. She stands behind me and rubs the back of my shoulders with her long nails. Do you want any help, she asks. 
I watched the fish swim around each other again and again. Should probably not take any more chances. Yes, I reply. Thanks, Mom. This story was produced by Casey Truba, curated by Amanda Delheimer, directed by Allison Hines, and music and sound design by Misha Fixel. The Second Story podcast was produced by me, Liboth. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a city arts grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, our 2018 to 2019 season sponsor, Skadden, Arp, Slate, Meager, and Flome, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Liv Oaf, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.